0: All righty then. Monkey at the at the end. Hi, Herman.
1: Hello, Vicky. How are you?
0: I'm so <laughs> glad you're here, Herman. This was this was a long time coming. I've been asking you to do this, and you are a busy man.
1: Well, you know the deal. Got to keep it. Got to got to keep the bills paid. Got to keep it going. You know so.
0: So how, Herman? Um, Everybody out there is freaking out. I mean, everybody that's on the thread is saying, "You know, sending you up all kinds of love." You can't see all the stuff that that you're getting here, but you're getting all kinds of love. And Toby, uh, Simon, saying hi, and, and and oh God, just all kinds of people that you know are on here just sending you love. And uh, oh,
2: that's so sweet.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll go and we'll we'll take some questions later. So, how busy are you keeping in COVID, Herman?
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know it. Basically, our our industry, the music industry, and and many others, uh, are null and void now. And so, <clears throat> I'm trying my best to do little things now. Now, uh, I, I am working with a group called Greg Adams and, and East Bay Soul, and we we do have sort of a house gathering uh, of musicians, and we do a live Facebook thing every Friday around 5:30.
0: So now how do you do that? Are you all in one location?
1: We're all in one location. Um and when everything had lifted is when we started doing it. Um and we're 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 all six feet apart. Uh and we're all wearing masks. But it's um you know, I don't know what we're gonna do this Friday. So but uh I mean we're we are gonna have it, but we're just trying not to uh Everyone comes in one at a time, and everyone is, you know, cleaning their hands and washing and doing all of that. But it's uh, it's difficult, you know.
0: Does it make it's you difficult. uncomfortable? Does it make you anxious to go? or? It's just,
1: I mean, you know, it's just all these things that we have to do in order to be careful. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and and, uh, and 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 rightfully so. I do understand. Um, yeah. um, uh, you know, I don't wear, I don't mind wearing a mask. uh, You know, if I'm going to, you know, possibly save a life, you know, so uh, because you know, because no one really knows what this thing is all about, although they are working vigorously for, uh, uh, you know, for a a cure or for a vaccine, I should say. So, I don't know.
0: So, okay. So I told you before we went on the air, Herman, that I have like the COVID crazies who watch the show every day. And we're kind of, we go through this whole disinfecting process when we get groceries and that tapping is still there and I can't figure out what it is. I'm trying to like figure out a way to get that tapping to stop. We're not typing people. I don't know what that is. That's doing oh, that. Wow. I mm. can't make it stop. But anyway, so, um, What's your do you go to grocery stores?
1: I do. I, I, I well, I do. I have to. Uh, now, it's only my wife and I here in the house, it's just the two of us. Yeah. Um, um, so, but, but yeah, I do go to the market and uh, sometimes more than, uh, you know, a couple of times within a, you know, two week in a week uh, in a 14 day period, I should say that. Uh, but, but yes, I do. And and you know, before going in, you know, I I I sanitize my hands and I put gloves on and I go in and I I get what I need and then I come out and uh, put everything you know in the van, take the gloves off once again sanitize and uh, and when I get home I do the thing of, you know, taking them out the bag and wiping things off and all of that. But uh, and and then the normal thing, even before this, of just washing the vegetables and and doing things like that, you know. So uh,
0: because you eat a lot, you eat a lot of fresh food. So I do. So now here's the thing, though. Like I got a delivery. I I I use Instacart or 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 Whole Foods because I'm afraid to go into. I I have underlying conditions and stuff. I'm kind of afraid to go to the market. Of course. Um, But if do you wash lettuce before you put it away?
1: Um. Uh, not before I put it away. Yeah. I actually wash it before I eat it.
0: Right. That's what I do. Because if you wash yeah. lettuce, it gets kind of ruined. Correct.
1: You know. Yeah. Correct. So uh, before I eat it, you know, I take off whatever I need, and then I'll, uh, I'll, you know, I wash it, you know, wipe it off, and do it, you know. And it's and that's a lot because I eat a lot of lettuce, or actually, mm-hmm. I eat a lot of spinach.
0: So ah. So Okay, so let's, uh, yeah. we're already here. Let's talk about your diet for a minute. Your your plating is magnificent. Well, thank you. <laughs> it really is. So let's hear the theory behind the attractive meals. Well,
1: since I have to sort of eat a certain way, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of vegetables with some protein. Um, uh, my theory is, uh, you know, cooking it, uh, if you make it look attractive, if you plate it well, then you'll want to eat it. You know, and so, uh, you know. So I try to make my salad look as if you know Chef Ramsay is going to come and critique yes. it. You know? uh, uh, I try to make my, I try and plate my food in that way. Uh, I, you know, I think that we all sort of, you know, with our eyes, we we you know we uh, that's appetiz- Appetizing when you see something that's attractive. Absolutely. So, uh, so if I'm eating spinach and if I'm eating rabbit food, I want to make it look good, so I, so I want to eat it. You know.
0: So so why why did you choose keto? What? Um... Well,
1: you know what? Literally, since the virus has kicked in, uh, or since you know COVID, um, I needed something to, to jumpstart. And I hate to call it a diet, but yes. I I, had, I needed something to jumpstart this thing. Uh, because uh, I guess a couple of years ago, you know, I had dropped you know, about 85 90 pounds.
2: How
1: did you You do that? Well, you know, just portions, smaller portions and not eating late at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and also watching when I eat. I'm not a big sugar guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had to stop eating chips. I mean, you know, me being from the South, to eat a family bag of potato chips (laughs) with hot sauce on it. I mean, dig yeah. this. I mean, comfort food for me was a bag of potato chips, hot sauce, and 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 a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper.
0: Oh, I'm and so I mean, with
1: you. I mean, come on, that was that was the shit. So you know, uh, so um, I've had to really, really cut back on that. Uh, I, I cut it out, period. Too. Do, you, do you ever,
0: I find that when I stop eating things, I kind of stop craving them. Do you not crave it much anymore? I,
1: I don't crave it anymore. And even if I have a potato chip or two, uh, I don't fall into that trap now, oh. I don't. Uh, but once again, because of my love for food, you know, I started, and my lack of exercise, mm. uh, I started gaining weight. I started putting on pounds again and uh when this whole covid thing covid thing started um i was eating crap i mean i you know i was i was making to uh, uh making nachos at home and making them with tater tots as a you know <laughs> you know just my wife and i just kind of sort of said okay screw it let's go for it right and uh after a few weeks of that i said what am i doing you know so so once again out with all the sugar uh, I, I I picked keto because it had restrictions, you know, and and I guess the bottom line for keto is to eat a certain way so that you don't have to eat a lot.
0: Okay, so were you not hungry? Like I looked at your meals, and I know I, I saw recently that you said you had to add more protein because you weren't getting yeah. enough protein. So I saw the egg on the patty, and yes. um, all, you eat nuts.
1: Um, you know what? With keto. I'll eat pecans, but I can only eat, you know, a certain amount of them. Um, uh, with the the way I ate before, I ate a ton of nuts. And, uh, and that did help. Uh, what helps the most, though, is that my last meal is at 7 p.m. Oh. 7.30 at the latest.
0: And then, and then you eat not- nothing?
1: And I don't eat anything until 7 a.m. the next morning.
0: Okay, so now do you go to sleep early because you want to eat? How do you do that?
1: Well, you know, also, too, after you eat that meal, you're not supposed to go to sleep until three hours later, which is easy for me. I mean, right. I'm a musician, So, you know, uh, 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 when I was working out at, you know, 5.30, a.m., I would be in bed by 10. Wow. You know? uh, but, you know, now that's not happening. You know, my, my, gym, Clo- hey, my gym is open now. But, you know, you still have to be careful. It's not the same as- it We're used
0: closing to be. them down again.
1: Yeah, it's not what it used to be. Well, and so, po- um, yeah. so I don't have to be up early anymore. Uh, and my wife, who is a school teacher or assistant principal, she's not out the house by seven, therefore, you know, waking me up at six. Uh, right. So that doesn't, so I really have to be careful. And- um, uh, So what do you and do,
0: I, Herman, what do you do if it's 9.30 at night and you're hungry?
1: You know what? I'll I'll maybe you know take one of those small Persian or mini cucumbers and uh, slice it up because it, it's cold. It does not have a crunch to it, right? You know, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll eat that. Mm-hmm. You know that along with a, uh, a salt or water that's flavored with lemon or something like that. There you go. So, do, you, so, uh,
0: do you uh? Do you do uh? Do you I find hot tea is helpful.
1: Yeah, tea. you know what? I'm not, and it is. You know, I'm not a lover of warm things. I Mm. don't drink coffee, I don't drink hot tea. Uh, The only time I will drink something that is hot is if I'm on my motorcycle and I'm riding up north and it's cold, I'll Mm. stop into a, you know, cafe, order some coffees just so I can wrap my hands around it. (laughs) It's your
0: little heater and your little body heater.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, So how COVID, so, is your wife, how did your wife feel, is she in LA Unified? Yeah. How does she feel about um, the back to school? So LA Unified, they're not going back to school. I assume no. she's happy about that.
1: She is happy about that. Uh, uh, the, the other side or the downside on it is that with her having to, to really concentrate on the online schooling. Uh, once again, she's a assistant principal. Right. So uh, you, you know, the the headaches of making sure that all the kids have uh tablets or or you know a way to connect to the internet uh right that's on on the school you know uh so it's and and then also too they have to be up on that stuff you know they have to have knowledge and uh and it's somewhat difficult you know the learning curve is is not instantaneous you know she she has to learn Uh, so she's dealing with all of that uh and she's also dealing with the parents who are Uh, who need help with that sort of thing as well. So it's sort of the blind, lean the blind to a certain degree. Um, But,
2: you know.
0: So how is it, how is it you two being together? So your son is up in San Francisco. What what is he doing during COVID?
1: Well, you know, well, what is he doing? I'm hoping that he's being careful. And, and, you know, and and with uh, the other, what, his four or five roommates said he... That he's uh, hanging out with. Hopefully, they're being careful. I did hear that one of them got tested and they came back negative. So you know, he feels better about that, or I feel better about
0: that. Right. Um,
1: but you know, he's a skateboarder and he's out there skating every day or whenever he can. And um, so you know, uh, you know, he's twenty years old. Yeah. And and you know, I can only tell him so much, and and I'm you know six hours away, and um, that there you have it.
0: And so for you and Hope, uh, I'm alone. I've been alone months. I don't live with my boyfriend. I have only seen him in the park a couple of times. And I have full body bag, plastic bag, so that we can hug. Yeah, on a hazmat no bag. Right? Yes, I, I basically have a hazmat suit. So, the missing people, the missing. The, so, so you have your love there. But I, I do. I, I do. Yeah. Are, are, are you finding that it's bringing you guys closer is it stressful is it both is it
1: well before the summer you know when, when school was when the school year was going on uh-huh. uh, literally my wife would you know wake at what uh, 5 30 her alarm would go off you wow. know she would go and do her thing and and and, and, and you know you know you shower and get ready and so that she can do exactly what we're doing here on, right. on Zoom. You know, but she would go into her office, close the door at 8 a.m. and oh. I wouldn't see her again until 4.35 o'clock. Well. Wow. So, you know, so that's kind of that thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the rest of the day we had together. Right. Um, and then of course, whenever I'm busy, I teach over at the Los Angeles College of Music and I do the same thing.
0: You do it online?
1: Yes, Yeah. yes, now I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I go to my office and I'm there and we're beating on desk and, and talking about music and and all of that good stuff. So, so is,
0: how do you do? You don't have a kit in your house, so how? Do it's you a lot.
1: It's a lot of talking, and a lot of uh, video sharing, and a lot of me explaining uh, the the Bible uh, or the uh, the gospel of uh, keeping it simple and playing good music. But I mean, you know, once again, I have a lot of examples of people playing, a lot of examples of me playing, a lot of examples of our friend Leland Scholar playing. Because, um, you know, I always, I'm always preaching that, you know, you got to simplify your playing, you got to do this, that, and the other. And I give them an example of people who master that, and Leland is one of those guys who is one of the most musical individuals I know. Uh, but he does it in a way where he doesn't get in the way, right. you know. So. Right. He's one of the examples that I use.
0: That's one. And, and so, are you missing? You must be missing playing. I mean, I can't even imagine.
1: I miss playing a lot because you know I didn't. Not that I didn't realize that that was a lot of what I. You know, that that was a whole part of me. Right. Uh, I've always been. I'm a workaholic. I try and work as much as I can, or play with as many different people as I can, and and, I, and I'm always doing things, and it's. And it's with different kinds of music, whether it be with Teresa James and Rhythm Tramps, or whether it be with uh, Greg Adams and East Bay Soul, Mm -hmm. or when I was out on the road with Tower of Power and then turned around and started playing with Hugh Laurie or Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles. I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of different things, but, but, and I'm thankful that I'm able to cover that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's all music, you know, and it's all, uh, you know, it's all trying to be the best that you can be in the genre that you're in.
0: Okay, so let's talk about how the music got in you to begin with. So I know you're a Texas boy, and yeah. uh, and I, I know a bunch of our of our mutual friends. Did you did you know Terry Wilson back in Texas? Did that? You know T- Terry Wilson and
1: Tony Brondega and also <laughs> Willie Arnellis. They were all <laughs> legends and heroes of my generation, if you will. Right. Um, I, I, I had heard about you know Tony. I'd heard about Willie. I heard about. Uh, uh, a Terry I heard about, you know, because of their their connection. Tony right. O'Neillis, he, I actually met because he would come back to visit his mom. And so he would come into the clubs that I was playing. Uh-huh. You know, and, and so I got a chance to meet him, know him, you know, see his uh, discography, if you will, you know, right. and, and learn about him. Uh, Tony, I only heard about because, you know, my favorite artists were, you know, Ricky D. Jones, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bonnie Raitt. Um, uh, uh, you know all the people that he had played with, and then, right. then 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 the association with Terry. You know, once again, I knew who he was uh, because of Johnny Nash, and, and you know, and, and and all the people that he had worked with. Uh, Teresa, I knew before they got married. Oh, stop! I knew Teresa because she was one of my favorite singers. I played on now. You gotta you have to look at the two different sides or the, the sides of the track, if you will. Right, I played, in a, I played in a hip top 40 band that played a lot of uh crossover jazz, a lot of Al Jarreau, George uh-huh. Benson, uh, uh-huh. uh, Manhattan Transfer, uh, uh, Steely Dan, you know, that sort of thing, but all with kind of a dance groove. And we, you know, and, and even with my own band back in Houston, we played a lot of uh British soul music. Wow, uh, so Nick Kershaw, uh, uh-huh. uh, uh. Uh, was uh, uh, Go West. Um, What's the other one? Uh, living in a Box. You know, that that sort of thing. Uh, 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 level 42. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. And so we played... I played in one particular club, and literally two blocks away, Teresa was playing in a bar. And I would go and check her out on our breaks. And she rocked my soul. You know, it was just amazing what she did. You know, so... And then... Uh, I moved to Los Angeles in 88. I think they moved here in 86 or so and um, met them in front of Willie Arnellis' house. And we started talking only to find out that I was in love with her because of her music and I was in love with him because he got the hell out of Texas when he did. (laughs) So, uh, you know, so we, and then, you know, eventually I became their drummer. So, you know, and, and then the other weird thing is that when I met Tony uh, uh wow. a out here and, and also uh, you know hooked up with Willie, we all grew up within a five mile radius of, of uh, in Houston and Snuffy, uh, Snuffy was
0: another Houston boy, right? Well, Snuffy
1: was a Texas guy, I don't know if he was from Houston or not, so. but Snuffy I knew about, but Snuffy was always you know, he made it out so long ago that you know, <laughs> w- w- when 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 um. When 30-something came on and I saw his name, I went, wait a minute. I know who Snuffy Walden is. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of my reconnect with him. And then he used to come into the clubs and sit in with Terry and Teresa. And, right. uh, and eventually he asked if I would be in his band. So, you know.
0: All right. So let's talk about Bet Sussman is saying. I've known Bet from New York back in the Beth day. That's my girl.
1: Yeah, Let me see. What was the Whitney Houston tour? You know, I was out. Uh, I was opening for Whitney, playing with Kirk Whalum, and also playing with Debbie. Wait a minute,
0: Gibson. No, that's no,
1: The Winans I... girls. I can't think of the girl They, they, they were an act. They were I'm opening. On your, on your
0: resume, Debbie Gibson, and I started laughing because my friend Louis Appel was a drummer with Debbie Gibson in the '80s. Did you know Louis Appel? No, I didn't know
1: Louis, and and. Uh, uh, um, but but wait 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 so, oh, yeah. so so working with the two acts I worked with them opening for Whitney Houston and then Bet was on that gig and and she was always wearing roller skates and rolling around and doing that doing our rehearsals so <laughs> you know she was she was she's amazing I love her um, she,
0: she is amazing so Debbie
1: Gibson yeah. I, a lot of that stuff that's on that resume I I played with either on a TV show or either I was in a house band. Right. They were guests, ah. you know, and that was so. So I didn't tour with with Debbie Gibson. I see. But I did play with her on a number of occasions, you know, because at one particular time, I was doing a lot of TV and uh, doing a lot of, uh, if you say, what do you call them, uh, benefits, where I was in the house band, and she would actually sing,
0: you know. So, so. how was, uh, we'll go back to the beginning, but how was playing like the house band with Rick Dean was that like, a, was that a good gig for you?
1: It was a wonderful gig for me only because I got a lot of airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a weird, that was funny. How did that come about? I got a phone call one morning from, uh, you know, the people who were putting together the music and they wanted to do like this audition thing. Um, what they were looking for, uh, uh, wait a minute, who was Billy there and the Beaters, that was the band originally. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So what they were looking for, and I quote, they needed youth and color.
0: Oh, boy. So I mean, you know, and of
1: course, I didn't sit too well with those guys, you know, yeah. and, because they were being replaced by, you know, like, like uh, by someone who was always hanging around the set and looked like they jumped on the opportunity mm-hmm. to get a band together. So mm-hmm. I get a call um, to ask if I would audition for the band. And uh, I think the original band was Freddie Washington on bass, who is an, you know I Who's out with Steely Dan right now. Uh, uh-huh. Or, you know, uh, um, they called, they called me, they uh, who, uh, Teddy Castellucci on guitar. I mean, it was a great studio band. It was that kind of a thing. Um, what made their minds up to keep me mm-hmm. was uh, at that, at that audition, after we played a song, I just chimed in, you know, as loudly as I can. And I said, "Y'all had both feets in the doo doo on that," and Rick D's, of course, just loved it and said, "Okay, here's the deal. I gotta make him the spokesman. I wasn't the MD, but you know, Rick will come out every night and and speak to his sidekick and right. then turn around and speak to me. Wow. And then that was sort of the the big deal there.
0: Did that? How did that go over with the MD?" That
1: it was. Oh, it was fine. You know, because he was getting paid MD money.
0: <laughs>
1: he didn't have to say a damn thing as long as the check cleared. You know, so
0: I, I get that. Uh, so yeah. the nineties were really all right. Before we get to the nineties, you were a little kid in Houston. What are oh, your parents musical? How does this happen for you?
1: My mom played piano and organ in the church. Okay. Uh, my uncle, God rest his soul, Alan Matthews. I played in his organ trio. When I was 11 years old. Uh, so, well, we drums.
0: Drums, your first instrument?
1: It is my only instrument. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and
0: why? What, what, what pulled you to the drums?
1: Uh, oddly enough, I was watching the Lawrence Walk show, and uh, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Humphrey uh, was playing drums, and I said, Mommy, I want to play that. And I was four years old at the time. I didn't get my first drum until I was seven, but. Um, but it kind of, you know. Then I got a drum set, and then, then I mean, I play, I play drum set. And then my grandparents, God rest their soul, uh, they bought me my first real drum set at the early age of eleven. And, how did uh, your
0: How did your parents deal with you playing drums? How you know,
1: my mom had the same. Um, I mean, you know, my my dad was always away because he's he's a career serviceman, four mm-hmm. years in the Marines, and then twenty six years in in the army oh, wow. uh, my mom dealt with it the same way my wife deals with it when i'm sitting down playing drums she knows where i am <laughs> yeah, exactly you know so that that was fine and also too with with my dad being in the service uh the early years um uh, we had a basement and so that's where the drum set was you right. know along with and and that's uh that's where i played
0: they don't have basements in l.a do they i don't think they have basements. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no reasons there. So okay, so you're playing when you're a kid. Who was other than Lawrence Welk, the yeah. Lawrence Welk band? Who, who was your who were your drumming idols when you were a kid?
1: Oh wow! Um, once again, you know, playing in my uncle's organ trio, and listen, you know, and, you know all the all the obvious people, you know, uh, uh, the Buddy Riches and the Gene Krupa's and the people mm-hmm. who I saw, you mm-hmm. know, uh, every night say on the Tonight Show. Right. Uh, but then my uncle turned me on to art blakey and he turned me on to elvin jones and then i went into max roach who is mm-hmm. my favorite drummer now i guess what i'm saying um they expressed themselves in a deeper um uh, not so much in a pop setting or or big band setting it was it was jazz you know uh, mm-hmm. It was the real deal as far as I was concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then with with my uncle's organ trio, he was friends with uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy Smith would use my uncle's uh, rig whenever he came down into the the Texas uh, region in that area. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so that sort of thing. Now, my uncle, we played the blues all night long, you know, and that was great. And I did that all the way through junior high school uh, and then got introduced to... um, Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
1: to playing funkier music. I, I was guess.
0: gonna say, when did the funk, how did the funk get yeah. to? Well, you know, just just
1: growing up in that area, you know, there mm-hmm. was always funk. There was always, you know, the first time I heard Tower of Power, I was totally blown away. Uh, 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 as far as the studio thing, when I first heard Harvey Mason, mm-hmm. I was totally blown away. And then I became a huge Steve Gadd fan as well. Um, but that was a certain era. But like I say, the funk stuff came because the guys in the neighborhood were throwing down and they were the real deal. And so when I heard Tower of Power, I really did think it was a black guy playing drums where mm-hmm. it was David Garibaldi playing. Mm-hmm. And he sounded like the guys in the neighborhood. You know, So that was the kind of funk I grew up on.
0: So how did you get out of the neighborhood? How, how did, so, so you're playing, okay, so you're playing church gigs for
1: you know, I didn't start playing church games until oh. I got out of here. I'd never played a church gig before. Yeah, I was never a church drummer. But but how I got out of playing uh, that circuit, if you will, uh, right. I, I found out quickly that playing in, look, let's just be real. Okay. When I say that circuit, uh, you know, I was playing my own we We're playing two joints. We we're playing in the black neighborhoods. Right. We we're doing that. You know, I'm not going to call it the children's circuit because I actually made pretty good money. You
0: know, so you are doing this while you're underage and you're still in school? Yes.
1: My my uncle actually had to uh it was my uncle and it was my my uh, my cousin mm-hmm. and we were his shtick. In other words, we're these kids <laughs> playing this music with him. And you know, it's you know, I never got in bed before midnight ever. Right. Uh, How'd you do uh, in school? I did well in school uh, until I got into high school and I was until I got in high school and I would be playing gigs uh, uh, late at night, you know, and and uh, I would be sleeping in my first period class. And the teacher <laughs> would just say, you know what, it's okay. You know, Herman worked last night. And how did she know I worked last night? Because she was there. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, I went to a performing arts school. I went to the high school for performing and visual arts, you know, and so, you know, it was a big deal, you know, uh, 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 uh well, know, had, everybody went they had outside.
0: respect for the arts there obviously because yes. so they
1: encouraged it almost uh yeah you know the thing is though I just had to make sure I got my lessons done. Um I, I, I did I did okay. I did well. You know, I did well. Um but but okay. So there was a time when I had to draw the line and instead of making, you know, you know uh, uh, fifty dollars a gig mm-hmm. you know uh uh I decided I was going to work on the other side of the tracks. And um, uh, luckily uh, in that high school, my first year in that school, Mm -hmm. um, there was a gentleman named Scott Gertner uh, and David Goldstein who who loved the way I played. And they asked me if I would be in a band with them and where they played six nights a week literally uh, for like two years in one place. Uh, so, you know, breaking into that and wow. breaking into even the jazz scene where, you know, uh, and I, I say this again, where white players were playing and getting paid the real dough, I guess you would say. And, and, and you know what? And I say that. Uh, the other band that was doing all of that was a band that Kirk Whalen was in and that was Bubba Thomas and the Lightman. And we were working at the same place. I just so happened to be working with a white act. So there you have it.
0: Herman, did you, when you were really young, were you self-taught or did you take lessons right away?
1: I was self-taught. You know, I I went to a a, a junior high school that had an incredible uh, music teacher.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: her name was Anne Price. And uh, uh, she saw to it that I went to Interlochen, which is oh, uh, an yeah. you know, international school up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she saw to it that I, I would audition for the high school for the performing and visual arts. Um, she actually took me to my first clinic that Louis Belson gave. And, wow. uh, and I met Louis Belson when I was in junior high school. So, you know, I had people who cared about me and about my future and, and about my music, you know. So, uh, and then when I got into high school, I met this incredible. Uh, I say incredible teacher. First, I met Ed Trongoni, who was over in the music department, um, God rest his soul. Uh, but then I met Bob Morgan, Dr. Bob Morgan, who to this day, you know, I stay in touch with and, um, and uh, a wonderful musician who, uh, who always checks in on me, you
0: know. It, it sounds like you had a lot of mentors in your life. Do you, is that something that you now do in turn for others? Are you, do you know?
1: I try to, I mean, it's kind of funny with, I always grew up, you know, the youngest. And I was always the youngest in the club or always the youngest around musicians. So I always looked up to these people. And when I played, my thing was to rise to the occasion. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I do know that there are young people that are out there who are looking for that same kind of guidance. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I try to do that when I know that they're out there or know that I'm playing with them. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the downside of all of that is that I still look up to people. or I'm looking for someone to look up to when I'm playing. And sometimes it fails. Mm-hmm. It, and sometimes it fails me. And I'm, and I'm sitting here, I'm going, I'm playing with someone who's won two Grammys. You know, great players in their thing. But I want them to be better. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so sometimes I, I get a little upset with myself. Because I'm thinking that they should be better than what they really are. Um,
0: Interesting.
1: It's it's a weird cru- it's a weird curse, I guess you, you you would say. But but once again, when I do get a chance to play uh, with those people who are just amazing, you know, I try to rise to that occasion. So.
0: So where did it start? Where did the where did the professional? Where did the big cut? How did you get out of Texas? How did it start? How did you go from high school to? Uh, uh, so, so from
1: high school, mm-hmm. you know, I started, I fell into that trap of working with great bands and making great money. Um, um, and and when I say great bands in Houston, there are wonderful musicians. What in kind Texas, of venues
0: were you? What, what kind of venues were you doing that you were making great money?
1: Well, when I say great money, I, now when I say great money, please understand when I was working six, five, six nights a well, Actually, I was working seven nights a week. I wow. worked six nights a week in the club. And then I would work on Sundays at a place called the Great Caruso, a place where the waiters would sing, and, you know, and we were playing that, you know, and so, and then I would have a cocktail gig somewhere where I would play, you know, that that's wow. started at four o'clock and do that. And then I would go to my night gig. So I say great money, you, you know, one gig, I would make $550 a week. And then, you know, around that with all of the other gigs, I was working right. six nights a week. Now, the thing is, though, so making $550 a week, I was living in an apartment that was two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Wow! So you, understand? you know, yeah. so that's great money comparatively yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would always, I would always, uh, uh, when people would come through and check out my ba- check out the band that I was playing in. You know, mm-hmm. people from the Al Jarreau band, from the Kenny Loggins band, from whatever band that was in town, they would always come and see us play. And I would always say, I want to move to LA. I want to move to LA. You know, and and I would get their phone numbers and I would stay in touch. And then they would always say, Now let me get this straight. You know, you, you you're making five hundred and fifty dollars a week. Your 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 apartment is two hundred and fifty dollars a month. And, and you're playing a gig and you're playing great music. And you want to move to LA. You know, it was always that sort of thing. You know, uh, it was just the grass was always greener on the other side. Um,
0: Do you think but, it manifested, Because it sounds like it was a dream. A, and dream,
1: was a dream come true. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I came. OK, so the bottom fell out of the whole Texas music scene or the whole Houston music scene.
2: How?
1: Well, oil. You know, business were, you know, they were building high rises with lights mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went from playing in a band that was very popular and to, to, to uh, crowded, you know, clubs. Um, to to working an hour out of Houston at a Holiday Inn where you know playing the four people, you know? Yeah. So literally that month that we did that, as I'm driving back and forth, I decided, I said, you know what, I'm gonna move to LA. Screw this, I'm out. And three days later, I got a phone call from Kirk Whalum who said, Herman, I wanna talk to you about something. I want you to play in my band. Now, before you say yes, you're gonna to have to move out to LA, and so I went. Let me think about it for a second. And went, yes, you know, uh, it just all kind of sort of fell together. Do you do you
0: believe? Because I believe in manifesting. Do you believe that you manifested that?
1: Uh, um, not, no, I mean, what I'm okay. saying by that okay. is that you know, I know that miracles or certain things, fate. You know, I I know it happens. I guess mm-hmm. you know, I really wasn't thinking about that. You know mm-hmm. it. It really fell into my lap, and I really do, I always say this, and a lot of people, you know, I said I was lucky, fortunate, and blessed, you know, uh, and I know that being blessed or being lucky has nothing to do with being blessed. I mean, I, an opportunity came, and I took advantage of it.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, uh, you come uh, out to L.A., and I'm so sorry. so you come out to L.A., and how— yeah. oh, you're not, you don't have a $250 apartment anymore. And
1: well, no, you know what? I, I, I decided to move out to LA. And then my best friend at the time, whose name is mm-hmm. Everett Harp, mm-hmm. he decided to move out to LA with me. So his wife came out early before we did mm-hmm. and uh, found the place. And so we were all roommates. You know, we were paying, the three of us were paying for the rental of a home. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say I, I had already, you know, I had the Kirk Whalum gig, and uh, my my second night in town, Kirk Whalum played two nights at the Baked Potato, and with Kirk being up and coming at the time, mm-hmm. we sold out all four shows. And at those, sh- at, at one of those shows, was an, an individual who thought I would be a good drummer for Bob James. Mm-hmm. Who you know wrote the music for Taxi, and mm-hmm. he's a great jazz pianist, and Kirk Whelam was also working for Bob James at the time, mm-hmm. so they were looking for a drummer. So Kirk Whelam is telling Bob James, "Hey, my drummer would be interested in your gig." And then this individual, Doc Gibbs, uh, 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 a percussionist, who was sitting in the audience, calls Bob and says, "Man, I think I may have found your drummer." So Bob is thinking it's two different guys. And it just so happened to be me once again in the right place at the right time, you know? So, so I got a chance to audition and play with Bob. I got mm-hmm. a chance to audition and, and, and play with Al Jarreau. Um, uh, all that happened the first week I was in town.
0: Oh, come on. So
1: now, now I'll take this. So, so, you know, I start doing, I start, I start playing with Bob James and I'm playing with Kirk Waylum. Mm-hmm. And I would say there's about six weeks of that. And then I get a phone call from Kenny Loggins who is saying, you know, I'm looking for a drummer and I need to blah 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 this <laughs> So it, you know, it all kind of sort of fell in and for a long time I was doing all of those gigs at one time. And oh. and, and it, you know, it was as if it was as if uh, it was as if God or a higher being had my scheduling book and just said, "Okay, you know, he's okay. We can do this, and we can make that happen." So, you know, I was,
0: I got lucky. Well, what is luck, right? It's when opportunity meets perseverance, or something. Right. And, you know, you you followed through. You did you did your part. You did the footwork, right? You did your part. Well, yeah,
1: and you know, and I had the smile, and I was in the right place in the right time.
0: So, so that was in the eighties.
1: That was, uh yeah, 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 uh, late 80s, early 90s, I guess. Late 80s, yeah.
0: And so then. Because, you know,
1: the Rick, the Rick D show came, like, in 91.
0: Right, know, so. so you're doing that, and then, so now while you're doing Rick D's, are you still playing with.
1: Yes, uh, what was happening with all of that, Kenny mm-hmm. had really taken a break, you know, uh, and he was working on this big record that he, oh, no, no, let me see, wait, wait, wait. 91 let me see leap of faith was already boom so what he was working on was doing this live concert outside live in the redwoods mm-hmm. um uh which kind of took him forever to get it all together so while he is doing that i'm doing the rig d show um uh, i was doing bob james who had taken a break but bob was about to start working again so i had to let that get go gig go
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, Uh, I had to let the Kirk Whalum gig go because actually the Kenny Loggins gig got in the way with that. Uh, So I'm doing TV. And then um, after that was over, I got back with Kenny Loggins, or in the middle of that, I should say, I go on a gig with Kenny Loggins and I meet Hope on a plane going to Hawaii. And that's how our relationship started. Oh, I know, I know. You, all the women go, oh. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So that's how that happened. So and, you get
0: uh, on a plane, and did you uh, did you know, was it love it for, I mean, did you just know? Did you, what, what was that you know, like?
1: This was the deal. I was walking through the airport. I hear someone laughing. It's her. And I'm thinking, oh, what a happy soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, And for some reason, I got on the plane first. It wasn't that I was in first class, but I don't know, maybe it was miles or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I sit down and I do the thing, the one thing that I do every time I get on the plane and I get ready to go to sleep because I figure the shortest distance between two points is to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so uh, then I hear this voice saying, you're not going to sleep, are you? And it's hope, you know, and her seat is right next to mine in the middle. And she's with her brother who's sitting on the other side. And we have a pleasant conversation uh to Hawaii, and really got to know each other and basically how I knew that I was really attracted to her is that when I was telling her I was working with Kenny Loggins and doing this t v show and and doing this that and the other, it didn't phase her one day. <laughs> she didn't give a damn my you know? so <laughs> God, all right yeah. You know, So, 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 so we really we became friends because I was dating someone and she was dating someone, and we were friends for about a year, a little over a year, and then after, soon after that, it was like, what are we doing, you know? And then we started dating.
0: Um, I have to tell you that Cat Quill is saying hello from Oz. He made it.
1: Hello, hello, beautiful.
0: (laughs) I, I saw earlier that she was hoping she could make it, so I have to tell you she was here. So, okay, so, so. How did Tower of Power happen? That that had to be a trip from... Well, Tower of
1: Power, you know, you know like I said, I was lucky, fortunate, and blessed, or I've been lucky, fortunate, and blessed to work with my heroes, work with guys or acts that I grew up listening to. You know, so um, uh, I was doing... I was out on a Richard Marks tour. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see. And... And what would happen, you know, in, in the middle of the tour, we would come back home and I would play a place called the China Club. Where, you know, I
0: was a uh, at the China Club in New York in the oh, Okay.
1: So, so, okay, Alan, uh, the same thing. The, the, yeah. the same thing, but out here in, in, right. in LA. Uh, um, so I was in the house band, you know, or I would play By
0: the, in the house way, band. On the cover of my book, yeah. this is 75th and Broadway. This is the corner of the China Club. That's why it's the cover of my book. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, you know, come on. Yeah. yeah
1: um so so in that house band mm-hmm. one particular night uh doc uh, kupka the berry player for uh a uh, tower of power
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh you know he was there and i just said to him i said hey man you know if anytime you want to get together get together and do some writing please give me a call okay so now set that aside um uh uh, uh off and on i will be playing with a band called flex which had rocco prestia the bass Uh player playing in it and so we would have our moments and playing you know and rocco went to tower and just said hey guys if you're looking for a drummer i know somebody um so okay so now richard marx is doing his thing and uh we're on a break and i get a call from the leader of tower of power and he says uh first i get a call from doc and he says hermy expect a call at the beginning of the year. And then he hangs up. And so uh, I did get a call from um, Emilio Castillo, the leader of of Tower. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to know if I was interested in playing with the band. And I said, yes. And he says, wonderful. Can you start at this particular date? And I said, I can't. I am booked through March. And uh, so he said, all right, we'll wait for you. Uh, and wow. thankfully, thankfully, they did. You know, um, did
0: that scare you to to say? You know, I love your integrity that you wouldn't fail on your other gigs to go off the tower of power. But did it? Was that that had to be nerve wracking to say no?
1: Well, uh, no. I, I, I guess I mean you know, but also too you know, with youth comes cockiness and and um, <laughs> or as my mother would say, you know, you're smelling your own musk. You know, and and. and so so, and it wasn't so much I was like worried. I mean, you know, I was working and I was doing the thing that you know I do, um, and we were staying in touch. You know, and so as soon as the, the Richard March thing was over, mm-hmm. um, uh, they they kept their word. You know, so mm-hmm. I came in on playing a record. Uh, we were in the studio, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so so it was preparation for that. You know, right. uh, right. working on that and making that happen. Uh, right, the first gig. Shortly after that, and they said, Okay, we're playing the Ventura Theater, Uh, you know. So I'm saying, Okay, rehearsal dates. And they looked at me and they said, What rehearsal dates? So it was just, you know, me sitting in or starting with that band cold.
2: Uh, Wow.
1: So so thankfully, Russ McKinnon, the drummer who was there before me, uh, he played to get great. They recorded him great, and I just mapped out everything that he did, and that was my saving grace.
0: Wow. And so that was.
1: I was with the band for four and a half years.
0: Yeah, a good long time. So was that? What was that experience like? I mean, what what venues were you playing like in those days with Tower of Power?
1: Well, Tower of Power. Well, you know, they were always bigger in Europe. They're bigger in Europe than they are here in the states now. Okay. Uh, They're huge over there, and so uh, uh, you know, we were playing. We were playing large clubs, small theaters, that kind of thing. when we when we came over here, we were playing very small clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Tower Power, and I don't mean this in a weird way, but it's the greatest club band I've ever worked with. Um, you know, um, uh, they do play bigger venues at times. Um, this past time, subbing for David Garibaldi when he was having double hip replacement surgery. Uh, uh, they were... Playing sheds and arenas, uh, opening for uh, the Steve Miller Band and Journey.
0: Wow!
2: So, uh,
1: so you know they they do have their opportunities. Um, so yeah, you know.
0: Okay, so so let's talk about some of the other people you've got. So, what was it like playing with Kenny Loggins? How's that experience for you?
1: Kenny Loggins actually was the greatest experience ever. Um, I would say that my. Power of Power was was my first self indulgent band, if you will, and it was great. You know, uh, Kenny Loggins was that band or that that artist that I played with. I, I will always say, if you can work with Kenny Loggins, you can work with anyone. Wow! Just because that he he is very knowledgeable about what he likes to do and what he wants out well. of a musician and out of a player. Um, and and you know, he still sings great. Yeah. Uh. uh uh, yeah, it was a big learning experience for me. And I was with him off and on almost 10 years. Uh, 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 the other person that was like that, oh, uh, before I finished uh, Kenny Loggins, I mean, talk about someone who is a, when I say a star, I don't mean that in a, that his head was big. It's just that he was a very professional individual who, who's been there, you know, and it was great, you know, uh, uh, when I look at clips of the things that we did back then, the music still holds up. The groove is amazing. Oh, God, yeah, it, it's it's you know he, he writes great songs, and I was a big Loggins and Messina fan back in the yeah. day. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't so much. Well, God, this sounds weird. A Kenny Loggins fan, that was okay, but the whole thing—the marriage of of
0: the Hula, oh please, the All
1: man. right, all that folk rock country, you know,
0: yeah.
1: All of that, the the mixture of that was where my heart, you know, really is. Wow, um, you know, so that that that's why I gelled so well with Teresa James, you know, uh, uh, because her what I like to call Texas soul or Texas R and B or you know with the mixture of the country mm-hmm. and, and and the folk and all of that. Um, yeah, and besides, she just sings the hell out of it all. So. Oh my god,
0: she's so, like Bonnie Ray, Reba McIntyre, she's got like the best of all that stuff rolled into her.
1: I always like to say, you know, when you know, people are always comparing her to Bonnie, and I would say, well, take Bonnie and take Patsy Klein and take Aretha Franklin and you know, roll it up all together. And,
0: and Reba, I hear a yeah, lot yeah. in there too.
1: Reba, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah Therese is amazing, and, okay. and Terry's a great songwriter, so.
1: He's an amazing songwriter. He's an amazing teacher as well. You know, so sure. I've been lucky, fortunate, and blessed to to work with them. Um, you, you know, I've learned a lot from Terry. You know, his theory about being a songwriter is, you know, uh, he will always ask, "What are you working on?" You know, "What are you doing?" You know, so, "You know, if you're a musician, if you're a songwriter, you should wake up every morning writing about something." You know, wow. even if it's about the doorknob. Write about, it, wow, you know, you know, hone your skills. Uh, and so that's that's Terry, you know, um, so so so, he's been a wonderful mentor in that way, uh, mm-hmm. and playing that music, you know, uh, my hats off to them for sticking it to him, and I'm pissed that they're not even further along, you know, the world should should oh, love absolutely. Teresa James and should love the compositions of Terry Wilson. So, it's insane uh,
0: that they're not ridiculously famous. It's insane. Yeah, it's yeah. wrong. But it's um, not right. That it, it takes one right moment for something like that I to happen. Know, I know. I know.
1: I, I know. Uh, and, and even with them making the decision to, to to, you know, when they did receive those deals or when they were offered the deals, mm-hmm. they decided to stay home and be parents, you know. So my hats off to them, you know, for that. But, uh, you know, Jesse is an amazing musician you know uh, all around musician not just bass player but he's he's a great songwriter he's a great drummer you know and then Lucy, of course she's just I'm in love with Lucy because I remember when she was in her mommy's arms you know and so she you know both of their kids have turned out to be amazing um and and you know but there you have that but but okay so 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 Kenny Loggins was one that I learned a lot from a great gig uh-huh. uh, you know t- the power, Tower of Power gig, a great gig, you know. Uh, but the Tom Jones gig that I did for seven and a half years,
0: okay, that was also when, an amazing when, were you gig. With, when were you with Tom? Used to, I used to work at this place in New York called Maxwell's Plum, and Tom was a regular customer of mine. Whenever he came to New York, I waited on Tom Jones when I was in my 20s. When, How many when times did he, he
1: hit on you? Come on.
0: You know, I have to say, he was like, he he was the biggest tipper. And he would come in really late and he drank, he drank the finest of the fine, smoked the best, ate the best, everything was the best. But he was an absolute gentleman. He was a flirt, but he was an absolute gentleman. So what what year, when were you with Tom?
1: (sighs) I started with him, I think in 2000, 2001? Yeah, 2001. Two thousand two, and it all ended in two thousand nine, or something like that. Okay,
0: so I knew Tom in the late seventies and early eighties. Right. right. So it was right. a whole different. The Tom then was a whole different thing. So, but he's kept his voice. Like his voice is still amazing. Right.
1: You know, he's he, from what I understand, he's semi-retired now, and uh, and you know, I was with him when he decided to. Uh, when he when he stopped coloring his hair and he let it go oh. white, you uh-huh. know. Uh, but it, it was just a great band, and that uh, you know. And, and Tom, he used to be a drummer, and he used to sing from behind the drums, oh. and uh, he he then you know just came out front. And so when I teamed up teamed up with him, when I joined the band, uh-huh. uh, or when they hired me, I should say. Mm-hmm. uh How did
0: did that happen, Herman?
1: Okay, well, okay, here we go. Uh,
0: That's that's an interesting story. Tom Jones, like. (laughs) Okay,
1: so how did it happen? Okay, I was, you know, I had friends who who were playing with him. I was working in a in a club called Cafe Cordial, and um, you're right, you know, Peter May and family, you know, um, the musical director for tom jones would always come into cafe coreo and would hear you know one of eight of my bands you know right uh, brian Monroney, uh an amazing musician an amazing guitarist mm-hmm. uh uh you know uh, an amazing arranger <clears throat> he would come and one and he would always sit in the audience i mean you never come up and say anything but just sit, sit in the audience one night he did come up and he asked if i would be interested. In joining the, the the Tom Jones band, and this is shortly after I left Tower of Power, mm-hmm. and 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 of course he sent me an itinerary, and I'm looking at the schedule, and I would say the only artist that rivaled the schedule of Tower of Power was Tom Jones. Wow! And when I showed it to my wife, her whole thing and and, and 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 Tower used to work. I I would say. I would say close to two hundred, if not more, dates. Wow. Wow I mean, they just worked all the time that was wow fun. so I'm showing my wife the itinerary of Tom yeah. Jones and shes saying let me get this straight you just get off the road with somebody you're never home and you're gonna ready to go back out with someone yeah you know, and so I said no now cut to eight years wait,
0: are you a dad yet not yet not yet okay not yet um wait
1: wait wait with Tom Jones? I just, yes, I became a dad okay. right before that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 right before that, I, came, mm-hmm. I became a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I want to say, I think my son was a kid. He was a baby. Uh, but, okay, so <clears throat> let me see if I can get this right. So, so oh, okay, okay. So I'm playing with a pianist that plays with Tom Jones, uh, Frank Strauss, you know, wonderful guy, wonderful pianist pianist. And I'm working with them on another gig out at um, at Spagatini. Spagatini. Yeah. And so I said, Hey man, what's going on? What are you doing? He says, well, you know, we're, we're holding auditions for, you know, drummers for the Tom Jones. And I went, why didn't you guys give me a call? Literally. You know, I was just, I was like, I'm here. I mean, come on. So because at the time I was looking for something, you know, everything had just, and so, um, uh, he says, "Well, well, okay." So he tells Brian Monroney mm-hmm. uh, that I'm available, uh, and, and I find out later that the reason why they didn't, uh, that they weren't interested, is because the drummer that they had for a short period of time before we kind of came from the same schools. I mean, he played drums for the average white band, and I played drums. You know, and we were kind of th- that kind of drummer, and 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 I knew he we would. So they were right. saying, okay, let's not waste our time with finding someone who does the same thing. Right.
2: Um,
1: not realizing that I'm one of those guys that adapts to the situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I called the bass player who's playing with Tom Jones and I'm going, yo man, why don't you guys give me a call? And so um, he says, don't worry, man, I, I'll, I'll make it happen. So I do receive a call at the last minute
2: uh-huh. and I'm the
1: last drummer to go in and play. And now I don't think I'm a kid. I don't think there's a chance in hell. And I go in, well, I don't, you know, I, I go wow. in, I play the gig, I, I, I play the audition rather. Um, I want to say that they, they sent me stuff the day before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, you know, I go there and, I, and a left-handed drummer had set up and I, I turned, you know, the kicks there and I the hat around and the right some, and I'm playing a minimum kit, you know, and I play it, you know, and so thank you guys that's really all I wanted was an audition. So, I get back home, about the time I get home, I get a phone call saying you got the gig. So, my first thing, and I don't mean I don't mean this in a weird way, it was like I didn't want the gig. I just wanted to be asked to audition for the gig. <laughs> but I'm thankful though that I got a chance to play the gig. So, that's really how that came along, you know.
0: And so what, you know, Tom even then, it was like women are throwing panties and doing all that sh- crazy, crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it.
1: Now, you know, when I started, when I first my first gig with him was uh-huh. in Atlantic City. We had a day's rehearsal without Tom, and then we flew to Atlantic City, and literally the next day, we started the gig, and I meet Tom five minutes before going out on stage. So. Wow! You know, I, Tom, you know, blah, blah, blah. and when when we're offline, I'll tell you what that conversation was all about. <laughs> Good. So now um, we're on stage, you know, and you know we're playing, you know, the first song, and Tom is singing. And, all, and he, Tom is kind of looking over his shoulder, you know. And second song comes up, you know, and Tom's singing, and kind of looks over his shoulder. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, I've lost the gig on the first night. I can't believe it, you know, and, you know, third song, you know, Tom goes up and he's... and so then after that third song, he comes up to me and, and so I, I lean over. He says, I love your foot, man. Your foot is amazing. I love your foot. And, and and what was happening, the drum riser was up and where, you know, where the whole of the bass drum and I'm, I'm hitting it this way was hitting them in the back. And it just, you know, he felt that and he just, and he loved it. And, and I would say from that time on, we became really good friends. Wow. Um, uh, uh, I mean, to the point where, as you say, you know, he you know, he stays up late and he has his drink and, and his dinner. And, and, and you know, the first time I ever had Cristal was with Tom Jones. You know, the first, you know it was the finest of everything. The finest
0: that, of everything. Of, he and, used to and, order a cognac that was $200 a shot. Yeah. Cuban cigar, I mean, every, the be, the best wine, ever, decant, I used to decant wine for him. I mean, the best of everything.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we're over in Europe, uh, we're, uh, Europe Spain somewhere, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and over there, they keep the nightclubs or the bars open as long as there's someone in the, in, in right. the bar. Right, right. So, you know, and I loved hanging with Tom because, you know, he's an aficionado on the blues. Mm. He's an aficionado on rock and roll. Mm. You know, that was this. Uh, you know, that was his, that was his thing. And if you hang with him long enough, one, you know, any night, you know, he'll, he's going to end up singing to you. Oh So he's, God. Telling, he's telling me the stories and he's telling me, you know, hanging with Elvis and, you know, and, 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 and with, and he's telling me all this stuff and I, and I was just eating it up.
2: Oh and my so God. I, yeah. I'm
1: looking out, you know, and I see that the sun is coming up. <laughs> and so I said, you know, Tom, you know, I really, I really have to, uh, I, I gotta go to bed. You know, sound check is in. You know, I, I, you know, I gotta go. And he's like, a, Herman, Herman, Herman. What else would you like to drink? I said, Tom, Tom. I'm, i you know, I, 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 I gotta go to bed. You like, you nonsense, bartender. And you know, and we stayed there and just, you know, more stories, more singing. You know, and all, until my sound check. I didn't sleep that night
0: but we kept maxwell clump whenever he came he was the yeah. last person there every yeah. time but i knew even if he kept me there till two in the morning he was going to give me a hundred dollar bill every right. time you know, he whatever. was going
1: to tip you well right. Yeah.
0: Right. He he's going to take care so so that gig lasted you a long time why why did that gig stop why did you why was it okay, was, was for
1: seven and a half years and then they decided. Uh, six weeks before the summer tour to fire the band. Wow. Uh, so they let go of the band, a 10-piece band, okay. only to hire another 10-piece band, but with younger musicians from the UK. So, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe it was money, you mm-hmm. know, uh, maybe they thought they were paying us too much. And I will say this, you know, every year we did get a raise, you know. um That's nice. Uh, uh, and even when I got with the band, I think I just said, you know, I'll, I'll you know, whatever the other drummer's making, I'll, you know, I'll do that, which, which was a mistake, uh, or even they were lying to me about what he was making. And mm-hmm. then finally, after, you know, the first six weeks, I said, look, this is what I have to make. Mm-hmm. And so from there, you know, we would get racist and, and, and all, um, uh, if it was about money, my thing was. Talk to us. You know, we, you know, we can talk about the salaries if it's too much. You know, let's let's talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm finding out that it had something to do with the unions, and
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: got really crazy, and we ended up having to sue, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, it was a big mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how that ended. And and I want to say as much as I love Tom, you know, a decision like that definitely comes from the top. Right someone you know gave it to him and he he okayed it you know so you know uh to, to a certain degree they can all kiss my ass so
0: did you have a goodbye with him after all that social not
1: really i mean mm-hmm. you know there was the last gig and you know the band we all hugged each other took that last photo and that was really about it you know mm-hmm. so uh, and then, now i you know i do understand and and, and uh, uh, I understand that the show must go on. I mean, you know, that's you know, even 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 when I when I had my episode, as my wife calls it, or my stroke, we're going to talk about the, that too, yeah. Gig, right? Which was in the middle of a Tom Jones gig, you know, what? a two week run, a two week run in Vegas. Uh, that night, Tom was going to go on; he wasn't going to cancel the show. So, you know, they found us up, and they did the show. They, it went on. And I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not like the Tom and Herman show. It's not that, you know, it's not like I'm a part of an act. Um, But, uh, but no, you know, the show went on. I mean, as long as there was somebody back there playing drums and and it was adequate and that, that was, you know, good enough for Tom, then he didn't care, you know, so
0: So what? uh, So I I know one of your most recent credits is working with Boz Kags, who's another one I just. What was that like? Well, Boz, I I
1: I I did I did uh, a short Mm -hmm. rehearsal with him, uh, Mm -hmm. and he wanted a new band. You know, he hired this new band, and we went out and did about three and a half four weeks worth of work and i think he decided that it wasn't exactly what he was looking for mm. you know so he changed the band again um you know, you know we had a good time uh uh i i the audition uh thing was uh uh we were the greatest thing ever uh and then things kind of changed a bit so mm. i uh you know it happens
0: you know, it's funny because I'm such a huge fan and I went and saw him at the Grammy Museum probably about five or six years ago. Uh-huh. He didn't do one song. I have never been to the Grammy Museum to see an artist and have them not perform yeah. at all. And it was such an, en- an enormous disappointment. Everybody left him happy. Everybody left sad. Everybody. You know, it's just kind you of
2: know,
1: he's, you know, he, I, I think he's a wonderful artist and he, you know, he, He's done what he's done, and or he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like I said, we just didn't mesh. But also, too, I'm one of those guys. I just um, I'm not afraid to stand up and speak my mind about certain ah. things. Uh huh. And so uh, there was a certain song that, that we played that I spoke up about that I thought was. on the field that it was an L.A. thing. And I don't think he took uh, too likely to that. I mean, you know, and, and and who am I to say? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Here's a song that's worked for him forever, for years. I mean, and here I'm a newcomer coming in saying, that's bullshit. So,
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So who, know, so I'm sure that didn't stick well with him. So. Who,
0: are, who are some of, aside from the obvious, you know, Power Power and Tom Jones and all that, who are some of your favorite people to play with just for the fun of it, for the funk of
2: it,
3: for the. Wow, wow!
1: I mean, you know, there are a lot of local bands around that, that mm-hmm. I played with. I mean, the people that I, I wish I could have played with, ah, uh, and not so much, not so much for the funk of it because I'm not really. You say, how can I say this in a? In a I, I don't think. I mean, there are some people that know me as a funky musician, mm-hmm. um, but then there's you Know the, the Tower of Power crowd, mm-hmm. they don't know the Teresa James crowd,
0: right?
2: So, and, and
1: and and you know, and even when I, I had the opportunity of playing with Tower of Power and Tom Jones at the same time, uh, because Garibaldi was having a kid uh, mm-hmm. or having his you know, having a baby, mm-hmm. uh, 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 there was two weeks there where or a week there when Tower of Power and Tom Jones were on the same bill, so I would play the first. You know, oh my god, part of the show. I would play the first part of the show with Tower of Power and mm-hmm. then come back and play with Tom Jones. Wow! Know? So, uh, so, so, but, but, but very rarely do those world worlds collide, right? Um, uh, you know, so, so, uh, even, even the funk people wow. I know, they don't want to hear the Timothy B. Schmidt stuff that I play, mm-hmm. you know. So so whenever friends of mine when i go to a city and they say man we want to come out and see it you, you know and they're they're tower of power fans mm-hmm. and i'm playing with timothy b schmidt mm-hmm. i tell them and once again i don't mean this in any weird way but i tell them you might want to pack yourself a couple of red bulls <laughs> and come out you know and, and see because timothy is a very it's a very gentle gig uh-huh. you
2: know
1: i'm you know it's a very you know it's you know wonderful songs and Soft-spoken and mm-hmm. nothing's balls through the wall, you mm-hmm. know. So,
0: so what? What personally? You said you some of the people that you didn't get to play with. Like who didn't you get to play with that you wish you would have gotten to play with? Bill Withers. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I wish I got a chance. You know, I almost had the chance. I mean, I was asked by his musical director uh, who was the keyboardist for uh, for Kenny Loggins. Uh he, he said, Man, would you be interested in doing a Bill Withers gig? He's thinking about coming back. And I said, Of course. Um the other person I would love to work with still to this day is uh uh James Taylor. You mm-hmm. know, that's a very musical gig. I would love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, um let me see. You know, I, I you know there are a lot of young acts out there that I would love to play with, but once again, I'm not a church drummer. You know, mm-hmm. they would have to kind of, you know, uh, Bruno Mars. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what's my man's name?
2: Love Bruno. with
1: uh, it Oh, uh, we went to one of his shows. You know, I just had to go to and see his show because I do feel that he's a bridge between the old school and the new school.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you know, you know. Uh, but I mean, you know, uh, I am to the point. I'm at, I am at that age where uh, I do what I do you know um mm-hmm. uh, uh i i I'm not trying to be so much the best drummer that I can be I'm trying to be the best musician that I can be oh I like and, it uh, you know and, and 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 that's that's why you know uh sometimes it doesn't quite gel with the the, the youngsters who are you know the drummers that do all the and then the behind the, <laughs> and then the <laughs> now I admire it. You know, mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not who you are. But if, if you want somebody to give you two and four all night long and make it feel good,
0: <laughs> I'm your you're, the guy. you're the guy. So tell, so favorite bass players that you've played with?
1: Oh, wow. Um, you know, that's uh, OK. look okay, So the famous guys, you know, uh, uh, I've played with Marcus Miller Mm -hmm. And Nathan East, uh, Leland Sklar,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Doctor John Chambodi, who used to play with with uh, 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 see who is he He used to play with Lucinda Williams, Mm -hmm. and he played with a band called Clover, which turned into the Huey Lewis and the the News band Mm -hmm. now. Uh, uh, Leland and also Dr. John Shambodi played on my record. You know, so th- 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 those guys I love. Now, you know Terry Wilson, he's very mm. very high on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and, and you know I kind of sort of put them in categories. There's Leland scholar there's Terry Wilson because they understand a certain kind of uh, kind of groove. There's mm-hmm. also a, a bass player who I work with a lot. Um, His name is Michael Minnell. Mm -hmm. and um, he's one of those guys where we kind of understand each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, A young guy who's just amazing, you know, kind of a young Leland Scholar, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a bass player named Dwayne Smitty Smith, who's in the smooth jazz world, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, working with him. He was in a couple of my bands uh, Mm -hmm. here in LA Coming up when we are trying to get deals, a band called Ace Boom Coon, and another band called Big Pygmies. <laughs> and I mean, when I listen to that stuff now, I'm going, "Wow!" <laughs> so,
2: uh,
1: no, and I mean, wow in a good way. Uh, yeah. um, they were both bands that were sort of like a cross between the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Fishbone.
0: Oh, fun! Um,
1: you know, so it's that sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of rocky punk or funky rock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, there are so many guys out there who played it. There are a lot of young bass players who are out there who just kill me. You know, the bass player I'm working with uh, now with uh, East Bass Gold, Dell mm-hmm. Atkins is a very musical, very solid individual. So, uh, you know.
0: Did you ever run into a wall there? I mean, did you were you ever part of a band and, like, you didn't jive with the bass player and, like, that was not happening? Does that ever happen?
1: none, none in the band that I was in, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worked with you know musicians where the lope or the hump or the groove uh, didn't jive. You know? mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and maybe I played the way I play now so that anyone could kind of sort of fall into the pocket that I create, mm-hmm. uh, which is playing a little simpler, uh, uh, playing, being more of a diplomat when it comes to playing the groove. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that, you know, if there's someone who understands the swinging straight eighth note, like Terry Wilson, mm-hmm. Mike Minnell, Leland Scholar, I mean, they understand that uh, that rock and roll southern lope, um, which is kind of a God. How can I? That okay? When you hear some certain Elvis songs, you hear the, you know, not. It's that kind of thing, the thing in between. And what goes between all of that, they understand that thing. So um, I love them for that. Uh, I love the funksters that play the funk. You know, uh, 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 I can work with any bass player who's musical mm-hmm. and we can jive together in that
0: way. So, how did Home at Last come about? Your, I, I, I love. I call it your album. It's a CD. Call it a CD. I'm going to put the link so that people can get it. Oh, um, thank you. What's your What's your What's the best way for people to buy your music so that you get the most out of it?
2: Well, I guess you
1: can go to my website. You okay. know, that, you know, which is you know HermanMatthews.com. I'll put the link uh, and look for it there, and you can buy the songs there and, and do that. Um, that all came about. Uh, there was a producer, or is a producer that I work with and write with, and um, his team of musicians, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, to, to play on the play records that he's producing,
2: mm-hmm. was
1: um, I say was because of the virus. Now we haven't done anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean Parks on guitar, uh, Doug Pettibone on guitar, uh, Leland Scar on bass, and me on drums, and he would play keyboards. Mm -hmm. And we would, uh, uh, we did lots of records together, played a lot of music together. Um, uh, One particular day after a session, Ned Albright is his name. And Mm -hmm. Ned Albright is the one who, if you remember the Archies.
0: Sugar, sugar.
1: He was the one that was, you know, he sang background with them and he played keyboards with them. So sugar, boom boom,
3: sugar, (laughs) sugar.
1: That's Ned Albright, you know, and he's played with tons of people, and he's just, you know, a lot of a lot of people he knew from the Ten Pin Alley days, you know. And mm-hmm. so he's a writer and he's a great producer, great piano player.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Played the bass line on Montego Bay, if you remember that song at all.
0: You I know, I you think heard. actually the Archies were on the Happy Together. He he, he hasn't done it recently with them. No. has he? Okay. No, no, no,
1: no. Mm-hmm. This was you know the records that we know. Right, and, right. You know, Right. So he came up to me and said, "When are we going to do the Herman Matthews record?" And I was out with, I was out with Tom Jones at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. And so um, I sat back and said, "I, you know, I don't know." And he says, "Man, we got to do something with you." And so I didn't know, you know, what kind of record. You know, being a drummer, I didn't know whether to make a drummer's record, or mm-hmm. to make a rock record, to make a funk record, to make a, a blues record, or to make. You know, I didn't know. You know, and so I said, OK, give, give me a minute. And, you know, I do have some tunes. I have some ideas and mm-hmm. I'll come back and present them to you. And so when I came back off of that, you know, six week, you know, on the road, six weeks on the road,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I gave him some ideas. And he didn't realize that all of these songs were vocal tunes, you know, because he didn't think I was going to sing on them. Uh, I'm not a great singer. Uh, I
0: love the way you sing. So, Was that something, did you do that when you were studying? Did you study voice? You had to study voice, no? I didn't
1: study voice, but I mean, I I was always musical in that way where I would sing, you know. uh, 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 I always had the opportunity to sing a song sometimes. Right. Uh, Which is not, you know, I, I don't sit back and say ooh, 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 let me sing, let me sing. You know, if I had to sing, I had to sing background with Kenny Loggins. Mm -hmm. I had to sing background with Richard Marks. And And it does help. It helps with getting a gig, if you can sing. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, when I brought these songs to to Ned, Mm -hmm. uh, we sat down and we kind of sort of, you know, sketched them all out. And he says, I think we can make this happen. We can do this. So... I would you know I would spend a day you know you know I would go out on the road come mm-hmm. back home for a day go straight to the studio and then uh, you know like And you're
0: loving that too, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, you've been gone for 6 weeks and now you, you know, Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh um but but yeah, I mean you know I would go to the studio. I produce I mean I laid down the drum tracks first and you know sort of you know, let Ned produce all that and make that mm-hmm. happen. And then I'm gonna call in individual people to play. I would call in Leland to play on four songs. I will call in John Cimboni to play on three songs.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know
1: and and then call in you know, we'll build it in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an expensive way of doing it, but it did happen mm-hmm. uh, and it it was released like in oh six or something like that. So I'm definitely due for another one and I, and I have the material ready. I was going
0: to say, are you, are you writing? Are you, a, okay, so Herman, in COVID, are you able to, are you being creative? I mean, I know you're teaching and everything, but is your own art, are you finding your muse in this?
1: I, I'm, I'm writing some things, and I'm writing some things for, you know, I've written for Tower of Power. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I've written for East Space Soul, and I have some ideas that are ready to go for the next East Space Soul record. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll see what you know. I throw up against the wall and see what sticks. So, you uh,
0: know. Some, Tony just asked, How about a book? Do you have a book in you? Do you think
1: you know? I, 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 it's so funny. You know, since I've known Tony, he's always talking about
0: different Tony. This is Tony Vincent, but she, she oh, okay, shot okay. You. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm
1: sorry, she,
0: that's no, that's okay. Okay, but she shot you. She's a photographer, um, oh, okay,
1: okay, okay. Yeah. Um, there's actually. A couple of books in me. I, 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 you know, I would love to do a drum book. Uh, you know, and the different kinds of things about that. I would love to do a
0: cookbook. i uh, you should do a cookbook. You and Tony can shoot your although your pictures. By the way, no, Wendy, no,
1: no, no. I would have a to have a
0: friend film. of mine just got on here, Wendy Liebman, and said she saw you propose to your wife on stage during. Not, can you?
1: So Wendy, I love Wendy. That's Jesus. my girl. So, Wendy, she was she was opening for Kenny Loggins hmm. uh, to uh, the uh, 19...
0: She doesn't say the year. Oh, yeah, in the 90s. She just says Vegas over New Year's at the MGM.
1: Right. Okay, this is the deal. So, the MGM Grand was reopening. Uh-huh. It was doing... And it was a soft open. And I want to say... I want to give you the exact year because we got married in 95. Excuse me. 93. 1993. Okay. So, this was... And dig this... So you know the MG the, the MG Grand is, is is reopening and nothing is working, and so you have you have in one room, a uh, uh, performing room, uh, um, Frank Sinatra, is playing in one room. Okay. Right. You know with his band. You know, and then yeah. in the arena yeah. is Barbara Streisand, and her band. Now mind you. We know all of these musicians, right? You know, right. We know them all, right? You know, and so right. In, in, in the Hollywood room is Kenny Loggins. So there's Kenny Loggins, uh, uh, Barbara Streisand. And
0: Kenny Frank and Barbara Streisand are all playing at the MGM at the time?
1: We're all playing at the MGM Grand, right? You know, everyone's there. Wow.
0: Now, you got to understand,
1: it's a soft opening of the hotel. There's really okay. only one floor that's working where all the toilets are working and where <laughs> everything is working. And and Stryzan has that floor.
0: Right. right. <laughs> yeah. of course, right? Yeah.
1: Okay, so now uh, um, Hollywood Theater and it's the 28th of December, my birthday. Um, Wendy Lieberman, she is opening and she's doing her, you know, funny as hell. Doing right. her thing, you know, you know her, You're, you know, you, yeah, do. yeah, she's doing her thing in the Um That particular night, all the guys, all bands were off. So, really, the the, the audience is filled with Streisand's musicians.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Sonatu's musicians. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, it, it was a packed room. Right. Loggins is playing. Um, we finished playing Celebrate Me Home, and, and Loggins, you know, he's about to introduce me. He says, and our drummer, Herman Matthews has a very important question to, to ask. You know, so I get off the you know drum set and I come down, I get the microphone. And I say, Thank you, Kenny. And of course, you know, I start doing 10 minutes. Good so evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the you know, <laughs> as, you, as you can see, I have no problem talking to people here, you know. So I'm sitting there, he said, you know, tonight's a very, very special night, you know, because uh, you know, Kenny Loggins, no, the opening of the MGM grant. He said, and Kenny Loggins, is said, and I'm going to ask a very important question to a very important, you know, person in my life, you know, and, you know, and I'm going to ask Hope to, I'm going to ask her to marry me, right, you know? Now, of course, everyone kind of knows about this.
0: Right. Except
1: for Hope. And around the time I'm on the stage doing this, Hope has to go to the bathroom. Oh. I know, I, I know. But as she's going. The security guard, who is in on this as well, is following her to the bathroom,
3: and she's like, "Going,
1: you know, what the hell, man? You know, so he's trying to make sure that she's out on stage, you know. So she makes it, and and you know, and hope comes out, and I do the whole thing, and you know, and and I, it takes a very special person to put up with a, you know, with with a musician, you know, and with some, you know, will you marry me? You know, I'm saying all this, and I'm out loud, and all that." And she takes the microphone, and she goes,
0: yes. <laughs> Did she, she had no idea it was coming?
1: No idea it was coming.
0: Oh, my no God. I and love so, it.
1: And that's, you know, and Wendy was there, you know, and afterwards, you know, we're drinking. Hey! You know, so it was nice.
0: That's so sweet. So, Herman, so... Before we go, I want to talk just a little bit about what's going on in the world because you're outspoken. We've talked about the fact that you've been booted off Twitter. You've been out friendly, keeps getting booted off Facebook. You've been warned. Um, well, look,
1: my, my my philosophy on 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 life, period. Mm-hmm. Um, with me, well, even before marrying this nice Jewish girl who, uh, uh, and we've been married now for 25 years uh, or going on 25 years. Um, How dare anyone think that they're better than someone else simply because of the color of their skin, Mm -hmm. you know? um, uh, And that goes both ways, you know, black against white, white against black, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, anyone, you know, uh, class against class even, especially Mm -hmm. that. so, so I'm I'm very outspoken on that, and and um,
0: have you guys taken crap because of your? I mean, did you live through that? Well, well, no, not not out. I mean, you know,
1: yes, people talk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, every time we, every time we think about like moving somewhere, you know, like moving to Nashville or or even just just buying a house in Glendale. You know, just mm-hmm. that kind of thing. My right. wife would say something like, "You know, oh, you know, they don't like Jewish people there." Yeah, you know? <laughs> and so, so, so I would always look at her and I would say, "Well, honey, before they even know that you're Jewish, they're gonna see that you're walking up with me." You know, so, so, you know, so calm down, you know. Um,
0: How was it for the families? I'm a Jewish girl. How was it for the families? I know. <laughs> How was it for the families when you guys? Uh, got together. You
1: know what? I, I will say this: uh, uh, her parents—they've uh, treated me with nothing but respect. I love that, uh, and, and, and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they were more upset with the fact that I was a musician. Yeah, I'm sure that, that's true. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, so so it's uh, it's been a wonderful. You know, I, I love her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, it, it's been good. You
0: know, how,
1: did, how did you guys raise your son? Well, that was the thing that was interesting. You know, no rabbi would marry us uh, because I wouldn't convert. And, and and I didn't want her to convert. I mean, I love her for who she is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I want her to love me for who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did find the cantor. And mm-hmm. his reasoning was, okay, well, there's a possibility that I may, you know, convert. Mm-hmm. Thing is, though, like you say, I can say, I have no interest in doing that and mm-hmm. we raised our son uh, i guess i should say this it a religious foundation is something that's very important
0: mm-hmm. to me
1: mm-hmm. you know so whether it be
0: well, what were you be, raised i don't well you know, i'm from texas
1: so you know i'm a southern baptist okay you know? yeah i didn't want to listen. so you know um uh, so, so th- that's important to me um uh, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but I mean, just having that foundation, mm-hmm. you know, and then from there, you can go and do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my son, who has decided that, uh, that the Jewish faith mm-hmm. uh, uh, makes more sense to him. Okay. I have, no, I have no problem with that. My mm-hmm. son grew up in a household where, you know, you know, we celebrated uh, uh, Christmas and mm-hmm. Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got... The high holy days, you know, and and, and Easter, we, we all of that. Right. I mean, my son. I mean, you know, from from the day of Christmas having all of those gifts to the eight days of Hanukkah mm-hmm. getting a gift for that. I mean, he was in hog heaven.
2: Yeah.
1: So yeah. So it's uh uh it's it, and it was important to us that we keep those traditions.
0: Mm-hmm. You so know? you you did Passover seder's and you did oh yeah we did do it all.
1: All the both we do it all we do it all. And, uh, and when we got married and, you know, my mom being from Texas mm-hmm. and, and understanding the Old and New Testament, so mm-hmm. she understands Hebrew. Oh, wow. I mean, better than, I mean, what's the Hebrew? Not the language Hebrew, I'm sorry. She understands what, you know, someone who is Hebrew. She I, understands that because okay. she understands the Old Testament. Gotcha. But she had no idea that, um, that the children of Israel, you know, later on were called Jewish you know so she had no idea what that was so when we got married and got married by a cantor it worked for her because everything that he was speaking lined up with her beliefs of the old testament
2: right so you know and
1: which and that's the way it should be
2: and you know that's why i had
1: no problem with uh, a rabbi or with a cantor you know marrying us because i agree with it all now where it gets a little hairy with everyone agreeing on my side
0: Mm -hmm. is
1: um Yes, you know, uh, uh, an individual agreed to die for my sins. Okay, and, I was
0: going to say, how's your wife with the whole Jesus thing? Because uh,
1: she's okay. She's okay with it because mm-hmm. she understands that. Where it gets really hairy, though, know, mm-hmm. is uh, the whole thing of him dying and him coming back on the third day. She kind of, you know, so so you know, the Jews are still waiting for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, the Christians, the Messiah already been here. So that's really the only difference. In, mm-hmm what's happening. So, so no, we don't give each other crap for, for any of that.
0: So Herman, something I don't know about you that I, I realize now I'm curious about, I'm a sober woman. I've been in, in recovery. Were drugs and alcohol ever part of your story? No,
1: I was, I was always that guy when I was working in bands when I was a kid.
2: Uh You know, I
1: (laughs) I saw, I saw, I saw what drugs did to people when they would come into the gig. I saw, Things that happened that were not responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw people handling money in a weird way. Uh, I, I saw a lot of strange things because mm-hmm. of the influence of um, either alcohol or, or or drugs. And back when I was a kid, the drug of choice really was just
0: smoking marijuana. Uh, I, I'm a marijuana had, addict. That's my drug of choice. That's what I had to give up. Yeah. Right? Uh, and,
1: and, you know, and I, I know a lot of people who. I mean, in my lifetime. I think I've either smoked four hits of a joint.
2: Oh my God! And had
1: two lines of cocaine, or either four lines of cocaine and two hits of. I can't remember. You know, um, so so because being a kid and seeing that, I, and being a Capricorn, mm-hmm. I was always the responsible one, or the mm-hmm. one that saw to it that everybody, you know, were doing was doing what they were supposed to do. You know, so
2: I love so that. It, it, I was
1: never attracted to it. Now. Don't get me wrong, I love tequila.
2: And,
1: oh, okay. Uh, oh my goodness. I mean, and what I'm saying, I love tequila. I didn't start drinking until I started working with Tom Jones. So, you know, that, I mean, really seriously drinking. Right. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> well.
0: now you're not doing sugar, so do you
1: not do alcohol? I do, te- I do, te- I do tequila now. Mm-hmm. Tequila,
0: no carbs, vodka,
1: mm-hmm. no carbs.
0: Really, uh, tequila doesn't have carbs? Wow, I can't have any. I gave up that right, but that's good to know. That's
1: okay, but I mean, no. I mean, I enjoy. I mean, I used to be uh, a shot in a beer guy, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, I never, I, if I may say this, you know, I love my tequilas and I, I know my brands. And I, what's your favorite you know, tequila? Don Julio and mm. my favorite. Uh, but but I'm a pussy beer drinker i know nothing about beer i mean i'll drink a will drink a tequila with a with a uh i'll have a corona with it and of course everybody's looking like a corona and a corona is like two steps up from water um so so now so now i i don't even drink that anymore and i'll have a club soda at the shot
0: my and, favorite uh, thing with tequila is licking the salt you know taking a bite of the lemon licking the salt i mean the lime and the salt that whole thing, there's something very sensual about that whole experience.
2: Well,
1: that, and don't get me wrong, that's great too. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think what everyone remembers about tequila, mm. or you know, and I mean, I I remember back in the day too. Whenever I would smell or have a sip of of a Cuervo Gold or mm-hmm. that whole thing, that's just no, <laughs> no. yeah. Um, but having the better stuff, you know, I I have no, I'm, mean, you know, so now when I go to my gigs and 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 all of my friends, you know, they they'll say let's buy a shot for Herman, you know, so so when we were playing the write off room, mm-hmm. literally, I think we would have, you know, because it was a two drink minimum there, and a right. lot of people didn't drink, so right. they were by the band, you know, I would have, you know, eight shots of tequila, you know, lined up in the back of my my drum set, you know, so.
0: I remember Leslie's last night was quite a was quite a tequila night that night.
1: We had a hoot,
0: <laughs> a lot of hoot there. So all right. So my last, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we go, I saw your Facebook today, and uh, one of the posts that I saw, aside from your your beautiful lunch, um, or your breakfast actually, it was. Um, what's the one thing we can do, Herman? To change this situation we're in right now. I saw your appeal this morning. What, yeah. we, we need to vote, right? We need to fucking vote. That's what we got to do. We
1: need to vote. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, you know, yes, voting is important. Mm-hmm. But also, too, we got to realize that politics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: regardless of what side you're on, is all shit. I mean, you know, I mean, we get deep into this thing. I mean, the reason why we're in this mess that we're in now is because everybody wanted change from Obama. You know, and, and as much as I, you know, loved having a, uh, a, a black broad. president, but, yeah, no, no I'd, say, I'd say black, I was gonna say a person of color, you know, because of his mix and all of that, but you know, mm-hmm. that's sort of a bullshit way out. I'm gonna say yeah. a, a black president because once again, you know, uh, the other side or those that, that are against those people of color, they looked at him as a black president. They look at my kid as being a black kid, you mm-hmm. know, and that's that talk that I always have to have with him, you know, being out in the world. Um, but I mean, you know, we're in this mess that ran because you know, people didn't like what he did for eight years or or at least for you know, the last two years of his presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, so So really the whole whole political thing is a mess, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I I vote because many have died before me for that right. You know, I I was born in 1960. In 1964 was the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1965 was the Voting Rights Act. Mm -hmm. In 1965, uh, it was the end of Jim Crow, although we still feel the residue and and the residual effect from that just from you know from people Mm -hmm. uh certain people Mm -hmm. um from 1967 uh that was the end of all of the states uh, you know that said that i could marry my wife or marry the nice jewish girl that i married to uh so i'm saying that this is america that we're looking at and i was born here and I'm having all of these things saying that I can't. They're telling me that you can't do this and you can't do that and you... Can't. So that's my problem. Uh, the reason why I speak up is because of that. Now granted, that is in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying now what we can all do besides voting is to be more tolerant of each other.
0: Okay, so here, here's my question. Uh, sure. I'm asking more questions, but uh, maybe this will be my last question. But I feel, you know, I, I was a, I, I'm a older than you are, and so I marched in the, in the late 60s on Washington and I marched for civil rights and, and right. all of that stuff. And I feel that passive protest doesn't really do the trick all the time. Sometimes it takes aggressive action for there to be change.
1: Well, you know, the pendulum always has a swing.
0: Mm -hmm. hard,
1: you know, in in both directions Mm -hmm. in order to end up, you know, somewhere in the middle. Um, With all of this, with Black Lives Matter, which I am a firm believer in, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Black Lives Matter. That's not to say that the rest of the lives out there don't.
0: That's all. That
1: that Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with what's happening. Absolutely. Uh, 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 I, I, I I am a firm believer in that And um, all of the mess that's going on because of it. Uh, I think that because of this cop who put his knee on the neck of this young man, and regardless of whatever he did, Mm -hmm. whatever he was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just not right. And I think we're all in agreement Mm -hmm. when seeing that. I mean, we all, you know, the people who are against Black Lives Matter, the people who are for it, we look at that and we just shake our heads and go, that's just wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Um,
0: but how uh, many other instances but, have there been since? I mean, what do we I do know. to stop that from happening?
1: Well, as you were saying, you know, uh, uh, you know, there are people who are tearing down buildings and burning mm-hmm. up things and not saying that, you know, I believe in protest. I do believe, I do believe in protest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it comes to rioting, um, yeah. you know, I I I don't believe that we should, you know, tear down things. Now, having said that, mm-hmm. or burn down things, and not that all protesters are the ones that are doing that, mm-hmm. but I uh, will say this: if it catches, or if it gets the attention of people, mm-hmm. if it's le- you know, maybe that will lead us down a certain way. Now, mm-hmm. yes, certain things have happened since Floyd's death. Mm-hmm. And not as many buildings are being burned down. Mm-hmm. And now things seems, it seems to be calm, although the the protesting is still going on. Mm-hmm. But um, I think from time to time, you're going to have to,
2: you know, uh, uh,
1: slap some people around uh, in order to get the point across.
2: Mm-hmm. I think um, so. You know,
1: and, 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 and I'm not saying I'm trying to be that guy who's saying violence is the answer. But once again, in order to get some people's attention, some things
0: things don't don't change with us all sitting around going, why don't we try this? Right. Don't change that.
1: And I mean, you know, and I try to, I mean, I'm, you know, I say I'm a member of certain organizations. I I know people that are in organizations that, that, you know, Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. uh, people who have been associated with, say, you know, the Panthers, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, and, and the good side of all of that, I believe in. I mean, all of that. I, 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 I'm a strong advocate of, you know. Um, uh, I, I just think that you know, if we're tolerant of each other, and I do try and tell people who, you know, the people, you know, my friends, who want to do certain things, you know, and I'm saying, no, that's not the way. You know, let's 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 talk to people first. You know, let's, you know, let's let's have an understanding.
0: So, you know.
1: So and her, then, you know, I, I don't know, I'll continue pissing people off on the Facebook.
0: Well, okay, try not to get your ass kicked off because we need, you know, every time they Lee got on back on for like two days and they booted him off again, and we need your voices on there, so we need you and, not to boot booted off.
1: And the thing that's weird when I read Leland's stuff, it yeah. doesn't seem like any. I mean, it's I think right. I write stuff that's that's more so I do i
0: before he would I, 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 they're just gunning for him they just have a thing and so. they're just they're just gunning for him so, so herman how can how can how can we support you how can we support you through this time when you're not out there playing and making your living how how can we support you
1: well you know i would say you know go to my Peanut Brittle site, you know, I make, you know, Little Herman's peanut brittle. I have
0: never had your peanut brittle and everybody, Liberty DeVito came on here and he first thing he said was, get some peanut brittle.
1: You know what, I will say because of the COVID virus, you know, the kitchen is is closed Mm. because it is a homegrown, you know, Mm. uh, uh, my hands are on it. I'm Mm. making things happen. It's my kitchen. And so I just don't feel comfortable, you know, during these times. But when it does, you know, matter of fact, I have, I have like a handful of orders that I've yet to get out because I had to close the kitchen. Um, I will do it. You're top on the list to get a bag okay. of it because, as I always, you know. I used to say back in the old days, "The first bag's free," you know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, and how that, hey, hey. that's how they got
0: me. That's <laughs> how they got me. Uh, so how but, can uh, we? How can you know, the, it'll be, the, the kitchen will be back up soon. Okay. Know, so. And how can we support the music? Best way to support the music. Uh, is
1: yeah, my website. I mean that's the best way. Uh like I say that's it is an old record but not everyone, you know, uh not everyone's heard it yet. But that, that is the best way. All right, there you go. That's the best way. Uh and it is a good record. Uh if you don't it's think a about great record. Like I say it's just funny, you know, the 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 funk people want to hear the funk stuff, the 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 rock people want to hear that and you know, it's so it's just if you just go in with an open mind, it's just good. Well, it's music.
0: a great fusion of all of that. You have yeah. all of that going on on the record. So we're going to Even
1: the spoken word, you know. you know, so.
0: And you have great song titles. Um, Thank you very much. The trunk in the trunk. We're, but we're going to play, we're going to go out with Hold On You, which has Teresa James back backup. And right. um, is there is there any story to this song? Is there anything we should know about it before I play it? You know what?
1: This was the last song that was on the record, and uh, and I wrote it as an afterthought. I thought I was done with everything, and literally, uh, I told Ned Albright that I had an idea, mm-hmm. and I went in and played the groove. I took a, a a snare drum, a hi hat, and a kick drum, mm-hmm. and played the groove, and that's what we recorded. And then you know I called in, uh, calling my friends. You know I'm uh, 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 Dean Parks. And uh, and Brian, and you know uh, uh, Monroney, mm-hmm. uh, and then also too my good buddy Charlie Drayton played bass on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, you know on on, on a lot of the stuff you know I had Charlie Drayton and Ivan Neville uh, uh, oh. Everett Harp you know Lee mm-hmm. Lee Lee Thornburg you know and all uh, but I called my friend and uh, uh, Charlie Drayton to play bass on it and uh, which is my favorite part of that song and oh. then. I said, you know, it'd be great if I had Teresa on it, and I was trying to think of her singing, a a burst or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But later on, I had the idea if she would just do the ad libs
2: mm-hmm.
1: and do kind of the, the the ghosting of what I was doing, uh, and she came in and knew exactly what to do, did everything in one take, and oh, said, wow. you know, and even you know, she said, give me a separate track, and she did her work there, and she nailed it, you know. So i mean i I, I, I love her. You know the thing I do feel bad about Terry Wilson came in with his bass, and you know, I had already promised to track to Charlie Drake, mm. and so he was going to play something on it, but did not get an opportunity to. So, the next record, I'm going to have Terry. There you go.
0: Well, there's a, a reason right there to start the next record to do the next record. There you go. Herman, thank you so much for doing this. You were worth waiting for. You know what? Thank you for waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that
1: the Wednesdays was always kind of hard because. Every other Wednesday, I was playing with Teresa at the write-off room. And, and the other Wednesdays, I was doing you know the church gig. So it was difficult for us to make this happen. But thank you, and I love you.
0: I love you too, and it was really fun. I used to leave my show and come run out there to see you guys at the write-off room, because right. uh, what a great yeah. time that was. And I re- they closed the write-off room, but I've heard they're going to open in somewhere else. So I look forward- We are,
2: and
1: I pray that we all Get a place to perform in and a place for everyone to come to and have a good time and that this mess is over soon.
0: And I hope so too. And I, I wish you all the uh, all wonderful things and uh happy ketoing. I'll be watching your food and, and mimicking you. So we're gonna go out with hold on you. I'm gonna turn on my I'm gonna turn it on and turn on the stereo here. Get
3: it.
0: Oh yeah. All right, let's go. It has to announce.
3: A finger too, she said. Something's gonna have a hold on you. Everybody's got a point of view. son. something's gonna have a hold on you. Hold on, you, hold on, you. Something's gonna have a hold on you. Teresa I know, right? One thing is certain, and two things to show, that something's gonna have a hold on you. But she said, "Be careful, because you keep
2: what you sow."
3: Something's gonna have a hold on you. And hold on you. Hold on you. Gonna have a hold on you. Hold on you. Hold on you. <laughs>
2: it's very charlie daniels under there
0: right yeah
3: Long story about that. But it's hold on, you hold on, you. The sun is gonna have a hold on you. Hold on, you hold on, you. The sun is gonna have a hold on you in the city with a of you cause some days more i have a hold on you nothing in my pocket but some and tunes and something's have a hold on you and what me something's going have a hold on you there's gotta be a Cause I know there's a hell Something's gonna have a hold on you Hold on you, hold on you. Something's
0: gonna have a
3: hold on you Hold on you, hold on you you. Something's gonna have a hold on you Hold on you Oh, I didn't mean
0: to do this. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade us out so I can say goodbye. But oh look what I'm doing. I'm messing this up. Um so it's home at last. You can get this on Herman's uh website on website, and I'm gonna give everybody the link. Thank you so much again, Herman. It's been such a pleasure. I so adore you. I love your playing, I love your humanity, and um it's been a treat. Thank you,
1: Dude. Thank you, you're wonderful, I love you. Uh, And thank you for having me on.
0: My pleasure, goodbye everybody. See you next week with Liberty DeVito. Liberty!